شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد Arkanus Salah, the pillars of the Salah. So that's what we went today, right? Pillars of the Salah. And the pillar is something that is part of the Salah, an action which is part of the acts of worship. So here, part of the Salah. <coughs> and the Salah and the actual worship would be invalid without it. That's the definition of a pillar throughout fiqh. Whenever you see a pillar, generally, generally, sometimes they will use it in different ways. Like whenever they use. Um, Pillars, whenever they use the word pillar, then that's what they mean. Something, an act which is part of the act of worship. So here is part of the salah. And the salah is invalid, or the act of worship is invalid without it. It's a pillar, rukun. So if a person misses out any one of these, then his salah is invalid. And if a person does all of them, then his salah is valid, even if he does not add any other sunan. So if you do, if you do all of these, your salah is valid. Even if you don't add the extra voluntary acts. And you're going to find out here that a lot of the things that people do in the salah are actually voluntary, which is good. A person should do it. But you're going to, find, you're going to be shocked about certain... You're not shocked, but you might not know um, which acts are voluntary and which acts are uh, appears. And so it's, why is it important to know this? To know that, okay, if I'm in a situation where I have to pray, uh, or, or I'm, I'm in a... Not, in a rush, like in, we have to do the bare minimum for the salah. A person has to be, for example, in a situation of... Of traveling, we shouldn't elongate the salah, or in war, or in a place, in a situation where the Sharia allows us to uh, hasten with the salah, then we can stick to just the pillars to make sure our salah is valid and not add anything else. So there's a benefit behind that as well. Also, another benefit is to know that <coughs> a person, if they miss out something from the salah, have they missed out a pillar or have they missed out a sunnah? So if they missed out a pillar, what do they have to do? They have to make it up. And they missed the sunnah, then no problem. So he says, Faslun fi arkanis salah, the pillars of the salah. Wa arkanus salati thamaniyata ashara ruknan. There are 18 pillars of the salah. And in different books, you're going to find different numberings, but no problem. Uh, all of it is basically the same in the books of the Shafi'iyah. And also, a lot of different madahib, they, uh, they agree with this, they, uh, most of them. But they have, might have, you might find in different books 14 pillars, another, another book 18 pillars, another book 17, another book 16. But they all go back to the same thing. So number one, the first pillar of the salah according to them is the niyyah, intention. The intention. And the intention when it comes to intention, a person needs to intend a few things in salah. Number one, fi'l yani. A person intends the actual action. Niyatul fi'l. You're intending the actual action. Meaning, you didn't do it by accident. So you actually intended to do this action. The person, he just falls into the water and he comes out. Did he intend to do ghusl? No, he fell in. person might be doing a certain uh, movement and then he, those movements happen to coincide with the movements of salah. Does that mean he's done the salah? No, he hasn't had the intention to do those in, the, the actions of the salah. Or maybe he's sleeping. He's sleeping and he, he's, he's, and he, and he moves and he, and he prays in his sleep. Did he intend to do that? No, he didn't, therefore, he hasn't come with that intention. So that's the first intention you must have. That's clear. Every person, you do an action, you have to intend to do that action. Number two is, 
Niyatul So that with that Niyatul Fi'l Second intention is Which Salah you are praying You have to intend and know which Salah you are praying يعني is it ظهر is it عصر or is it جمعة or is it عشاء or is it مغرب which salah is it and also then the third one is to intend this is an obligatory prayer to intend that it's an obligatory prayer or if it's a sunnah these three must be present for the intention to be correct and the evidence for that is the hadith of Umar bin Khattab, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Actions are by intentions. So action will never be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unless you had the intention to do that action. That's the first pillar. The second one is, وَالْقِيَامُ مَعَ الْقُدْرَةِ To stand up if you have the ability. To stand up if you have the ability. And standing, what it means is, to have your back upright, relying on your feet. Having your back upright, relying on your feet. We all know what standing is. And the important, why is it important to know what, what uh, يعني, those two definitions? Having your back upright and also relying on your feet. If a person is standing up on his feet, but his back is bent down, is bent forward, then is he considered to be qa'im, standing? No, he is in a rukur. And obviously, yes, if a person is able to stand. If a person is not able to stand, and the only way he's able to stand is because he's an old person, that his, that his, uh, his back is uh, يعني, lowered, then it's, it's allowed, it's fine. Second thing is also relying on his feet as opposed to someone who is relying on the wall or sitting nah, sitting down or relying on the wall, is on the wall. That's not considered to be standing. So if someone prays standing up with his standing on the wall and if you were to or on something and if you were to move that thing he would fall down, then that's not considered to be standing, therefore his salah is invalid. So he has to be standing. <laughs> And that's because the, the, um, it was narrated from Imran ibn Husayn radiallahu anhu قال, كانت بواسير He said, I had an illness فسألتو, I asked the Prophet وسلم, asked the Messenger of Allah وسلم, about, He said, صلي قائما The Prophet وسلم, He said, pray standing If you're not able to فقاعدا, Then sit down If you're not able to, then pray on your side And that's narrated by Al-Bukhari and Al-Nasai Okay, so that shows that standing up is a pillar of the salah. Also, when Allah says "waqumu lillahi qanitin," stand in front of Allah, qanitin in obedience, in silence. The next one is wa takbiratul ihram, the initial takbirah, the first takbirah. When you say "Allahu Akbar," the first one is a pillar, and that's called takbiratul ihram. The rest of the takbirat, when you say "Allahu Akbar," The rest of them are all sunan. So if you say Allah the first time, Allahu Akbar, if you miss that out, then your salah is invalid. The other ones, what are they called? Takbiratul intiqal. Takbiratul intiqal. Movement. These are the takbirat that you do when you're moving from position to position. These are the takbirat that you do when you're moving from position to position. It's called takbiratul intiqal. And these are not pillars. But the pillar is the initial takbirah, the one you start the salah off with. Allahu Akbar. It's called takbiratul ihram because... It makes, it comes from the word haram, haram. And it makes things that were halal before the salah, it makes them haram. Like speaking, food, drink. Food and drink is halal normally. But when you enter into the salah, what is it? It's haram for you now. You can't eat and drink, you can't speak. 
You can't do things that you could do outside of the salah. Just like when you go to Hajj or Umrah, we, we put on our, we get into the state of Ihram, right? Ihram. Because you're in a state where certain things are haram for you. You can't wear certain clothing anymore when you go to Hajj or Umrah. You can't uh, cut your hair. You can't cut your nails. You can't put on perfume. You can't get married. You can't do these things. That's why it's called Ihram. It prevents certain things from, from you. <laughs> and so this is why it's called Takbiratul Ihram. And the evidence for that is the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said تحليلها التكبير he says in the hadith مفتاح الصلاة الوضوء وتحريمها التكبير وتحليلها التسليم The key to the salah is the wudu and the initiation of the salah is by التكبير by saying Allahu Akbar at the beginning وتحليلها and to finish the salah you say التسليم السلام عليكم So that shows that takbiratul ihram is a pillar of the salah So you have to say the takbiratul ihram no, from the conditions of takbiratul ihram, and this is important, is that it must be said while standing up. So you know the previous the previous pillar, it was al qiyam, right? Standing up, right? You must say takbiratul ihram while standing up. Where do where do some people go wrong with this? When sometimes when a person, he is the salah the salah is going on in the masjid, he's walking to the to the row. When he's walking to the row, what does he do? Allahu Akbar is moving. Is he, is he standing up whilst he said it? No, therefore he missed this. He, he completely, his salah is invalid. Yani. His salah becomes invalid because he did not say the takbir. He did not do the pillar with its condition. He did not come with the pillar with its condition, which is to be standing up straight. Right? Uh, do you guys understand that, that what I'm talking about? Someone's coming, is, is walking fast, and he says, Allahu Akbar whilst moving. He has to say, Allahu Akbar, then he moves. Secondly, the pillar here is to say, and raising the hand is a sunnah. Allahu Akbar. Raising the hand is sunnah. But to say it is the pillar. So if someone says Allahu Akbar and they just start praying, is that valid? Yes. Third thing is that it must be with these two words. Allahu Akbar. Those two words. And they have to be said correctly. As opposed to some of the madhahib, the Hanafis, you say you can say any name of Allah. So you can say Ar-Rahman Akbar, Ar-Rahim Akbar. And that's, and that's not correct. Wallahu alam. The, the, the majority of the scholars, they say you have to say Allahu Akbar. Uh, for the takbir to ihram um, These are some of the pillars for it <laughs> Naam, you mentioned those pillars Yeah, take with takbir bi kamaliha Wa man tasib, naam, standing And then we have takbir to ftitah Yeah, inshallah, naam Um, where they mention it, like in, it's not been narrated from any of the companions that they've done it other than that. And that's the position of it. It's like saying the ruku' how is the ruku' you can only say subhana rabbil azim whilst you're in ruku' you can't say whilst moving. And you have to be in the position for it, right? You have to be in the position for each thing. And it's the same thing with the ruku' as well. The only difference is that the ruku' the, the, the for example, the tashahud. Tashahud is a pillar. You can't say tashahud while standing. You have to say it while sitting. It's a condition. That's known. That's how the salah is. That's the nazam of the salah. Um, yeah. And an example of certain things is by ijma'. Yani, for example, not everything has a clear evidence of a hadith. For example, what's the evidence that the, a lot of movements break the salah? Obviously, we know that we're meant to be standing, qanitin, or in obedience. Lakin by ijma', no difference of opinion that a lot of movements break the salah. Then they differ on what is a lot of movements. But the reason why is because 
a lot of movements, it goes against the nazm of the salah, the way the salah is. Just like that, the takbir at the ihram, it goes, that's where, that's the position of the takbir. You understand? <laughs> Yeah. 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 Intention is is not something that's hard. Uh, the Shafi'i they make it very hard. You know, a lot of us, especially our culture, we make it very hard intention. The Shafi'i called Shafi'i Somalis. They have an intention of intention is a bit hard because they some of them know it. These kind of things. Intention. No. The intention is not that. Intention is if you know what you're doing, you have the intention. Yeah, and the fact that you know your praying is enough. So Imam Shafi'i himself, he said, Intention is an off, off branch of knowledge. If you know what you're doing, you've got the intention for it. And walking to the salah, you know we have it. Uh, quickly, last two questions. One, two, three. <laughs> yeah, the Shafi'i, they do say that uh, the intention is sunnah to recite it loudly. Now, that's what the Shafi'is, they say. And the other opinion is that it's bid'ah. And that's what Allah alam stronger. This is not a sunnah. It's nothing that's been narrated in the hadith about that. Mm. No. Can you change your intention mid-salah? No. If you change your intention from fard obligatory to obligatory, then your salah is invalid. Or sunnah to obligatory is invalid. But if you change your intention from obligatory to sunnah for a valid reason, then it's fine. For example, you're praying zuhur. And then you see another congregation praying in front of you. So you're praying by yourself in the masjid, a group of people, they come and they start praying in the jama'ah. What do you do? You're on the first rak'ah. You do your second rak'ah with the intention that it is sunnah now. You say salam and you go and join, you join their zuhur instead. That's okay. But if you can't. You can go from upper to lower. You can't go. You can't go from lower to up, or on the same level uh, to another another sunnah. So what no, that last question. Sorry. <coughs> They're all the same pillar. They're all part of the intention. No, last question. No, if a person is praying Dhuhr and he forgot to pray the Sunnah before Dhuhr, then that's not a valid reason. Therefore, he has to pray Dhuhr. He has to carry on praying Dhuhr. You're not allowed to change it. You're not allowed to break a Fard Salah. Fard Salah, you're not allowed to break it unless you have a valid reason. Like the example I gave you. Last question. Yeah, if you forgot Sunnah. Yeah, if you forgot the Sunnah of Dhuhr, then you can pray after, after Dhuhr because you forgot it. It's fine. Okay, the next pillar is so, wait, what did I say? Um, takbirat al ihram, right? You guys understand Takbirat al ihram? You understand that mistake, yeah? Mm. 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 Next one is Waqiratul Fatiha to recite Surah Al Fatiha. In the pillar, every single rak'ah you must recite Surah Al Fatiha. Every single pillar, every single rak'ah. And the evidence for that is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he said La salata liman lam yaqra bi ummi al-kitab There is no prayer for the one who does not recite the, the mother of the book which is Surah Al-Fatiha وَمَنْ لَمْ يَقْرَأَ سُورَةُ الْفَاتِحَةِ فَصَلَاتُهُ خِدَاجِ فَصَلَاتُهُ خِدَاجِ فَصَلَاتُهُ خِدَاجِ غَيْرُ تَمَامِ Whoever does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha then his salah is, is, is deficient, his salah is deficient, his salah is deficient and it's not complete. Meaning, the person must recite Surah Al-Fatiha. And this is the, according to the majority of the scholars, Surah Al-Fatiha is a pillar of the salah. Uh, then he says, بَعْدَ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ After saying بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ The Shafi'iyah, they say بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ is a surah, is, a, is an ayah from Surah Al-Fatiha, it's part of it. Therefore, you must recite it loud. 
That's why you find a lot of people when they start Surah Al-Fatiha, they just start off with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. And this is the opinion of the Shafi'i, Imam Shafi'i. He takes this opinion. And no they have the evidences for it. For example, when Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he led the, he led the salah. Um, Abu Huraira qala, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إذا قرأتم الحمد فقرأوا Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. When you recite, when you recite Alhamdu, meaning Surah Al-Fatiha, فَقْرَأُوا بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ Then recite بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ إِنَّهَا أُمُّ الْقُرْآنِ Because it's the mother of the Qur'an وَأُمُّ الْكِتَابِ And the mother of the book وَالسَّبْعُ الْمَثَانِي And it's the seven often repeated ayat وَبِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ إِحْدَى آيَاتِهَا and Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is one of the ayat of Surah Al-Fatiha as narrated by Dara Qutni and it's an authentic hadith from Umm Salama radiyallahu anha also and the Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a'addal basmalata ayatan min al-Fatiha and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he counted Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim as an ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha uh, and Abu Hurair radiyallahu also, also narrated and also in Sahih Muslim and Aisha radiyallahu anha and the Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana yastaftihu al-salata bil-takbir wal-qira'ata bil-hamdulillahi rabbil alameen and uh, this is different hadith for the, uh, evidence for another another point. The point is here that also we have the hadith of Abu Huraira where he led the people in salah and he recited Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and after the salah he said, I am the one who prays closest to the prayer of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we have this evidence here, all of these evidences to show that Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is an ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha according to the Shafi'iyah. Also we have the ayah in the Quran. By ijma', no difference of opinion. Surah Al-Fatiha is how many ayat? Seven. No difference of opinion. All scholars agree on that. Is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim? Is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim? Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Malik yom al-Din. Iyaka na'abudu, iyaka nasta'in. Ihdina al-Sirat al-Mustaqim. Sirat al-Ladhina an'amta alayhim ghayri al-Maghdubi alayhim wal-Dhalin. That's seven. Counting Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, right? So they say because of that, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is an is an ayah from Surah Al-Fatiha. And obviously the evidence that is seven is that Allah says, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَاكَ سَبْعًا مِنَ الْمَثَانِي We have given you the seven often repeated ayat. In the hadith of Ubayy ibn Ka'ab, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, هِيَ السَّبْعُ الْمَثَانِي وَالْقُرْآنَ الْعَظِيمَ الَّذِي أُتِيتُهُ This Fatiha is the seven often repeated ayat that I was given, and it is the great Qur'an that I was given. That's one opinion, that's the evidences. The other opinion is that, Surah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is, is an ayah, but it's not part of Surah Al-Fatiha, rather it's an ayah before every surah. So it's an ayah in between every surah. Except for Surah Tawbah, Surah Bara'ah. Every, every surah, before, between every surah there is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and before every surah there is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. But it is not part of the, the, um, the surah. And the evidence is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. He said, I think Uthman, ولكن I prayed with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and Abu Bakr and Umar, and فلم يقرأوا they never recited Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim before Surah Al-Fatiha nor after it. So that shows that this hadith shows that they didn't recite it. Also in the hadith of Aisha رضي الله عنها the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم قرأ بالحمد لله رب العالمين he recited الحمد لله رب العالمين even though that hadith can be يعني responded to by saying she meant the surah Bismillah Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen it doesn't mean that he didn't recite Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Wallahu A'lam they're both strong opinions either way a person should recite Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim either quietly and if you're amongst people who recite it loudly then recite it loudly يعني if you're amongst people who are Shafi'iyya for example you're people of the people who if you go to a certain country or a certain masjid where those people are Shafi'is then you recite it for example in Malaysia for example in Somalia for example in Yemen Egypt, certain places, wherever they recite Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, you recite it. So the people don't go, and it's because it's a strong opinion, they have the evidences. And also, there's evidences that 
uh, in other places, the Hanabila and other scholars, they say that you don't recite Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and that's no problem as well. Either way, the person's salah is valid. But this is the Shafi'i opinion. Okay? Um, but the point is that you have to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. The condition for Surah Al-Fatiha is that it must be recited also while standing. It must be also recited by while standing, all of it. So if a person says, Waladhalin, it's not moving. Is the salah valid? Invalid. You have to say, Waladhalin, and then you can move. Tayyip? Mm. So when are you considered to have recited Surah Al-Fatiha correctly? When you recite it by pronouncing every I, every every letter, pronouncing every letter correctly, without changing its meaning. So if someone says Alhamdulillahi instead of Alhamdulillahi, then his salah is invalid because you couldn't recite Surah Al-Fatiha correctly. Or he says Iyaka instead of Iyaka without the shadda. What about the Tajweed rules? Tajweed rules, no. You don't have to recite Tajweed rules. Like for example, Waladhalin. You don't have to. Because if someone says Waladhalin, yani, is it obligatory? Difference of opinion. Like in the Salah is valid, no, no doubt. Salah is valid. Waladhalin. So as long as the meaning is not changed. If a person cannot recite it, then he should not be leading the Salah. And if a person cannot recite it, then his Salah is invalid, then everyone behind him is invalid. Yani, if a person is leading the Salah and he can't recite Surah Al-Fatiha, then his salah is invalid, and everyone who's praying behind him, their salah is invalid. Unless the person praying behind them also can't recite Fatiha. And they both can't recite, then they can lead each other. Like if there is anyone who in, that, in, that, in the masjid who can recite Surah Al-Fatiha correctly, then his salah is invalid. So he should not be leading the salah. That's why it's important the person who, recites, who leads the salah is the one who can recite the Qur'an the best. The point is that when is invalid, when a person changes the meaning. For example, he says, Which is common. Or oh, he says, some of them they say, well, Surat al Lazina. No, that's fine. If it's Surat, that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, that's fine. That's fine because it's close. They, they have some tajawuz, they have some allowing. For example, Waladhalin and Waladhalin is allowed. You find that in the, in the Khaliji Lahja, in the Khaliji uh, Saudis and them lot, they, they, a lot of them, the laymen, they say waladhalin instead of waladhalin. Da and da are two different letters. Lakin Ibn Kathir says these are very close to each other. So if the letters are very close to each other, then it's fine. Like in um, certain things, not allowed. Mm. Yeah, ih and ih is not allowed because they're far away. Because the, uh, the principle is that if the Imam's Salah is invalid, then the Ma'moom's Salah is invalid. If the Imam's Salah is invalid, then the Ma'moom's Salah is invalid. Hmm. Yeah, and if, you, if, a, if you're praying behind the person, he makes a mistake and you didn't know, then you have two options. Either correct him, if he corrects himself, then Alhamdulillah. If he doesn't correct himself, then you leave the Salah. Or you have niyatul mafaraqah, you have the intention of not praying behind him. I'm not praying behind him, but I'm just staying in my position. I'm now praying by myself. And that's fine. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah. No, good question. Now there's a question that comes here. Do you have to recite Surah Al-Fatiha if you're praying in the congregation? Yani if, you're, if there's an Imam, he's reciting Surah Al-Fatiha. Do you have to recite it? The Shafi'i opinion is that you have to. Yani everyone has to recite it. The Imam recites it. When the Imam finishes reciting it and you say, Ameen, you recite it by yourself as well. 
when, and so the Imam is quiet for a small moment of time to give the people a time to recite it. That's the Imam Shafi'i's opinion. The other opinion of Ibn Taymiyyah and the Hanabil and the Imam Malik and Imam Ahmed as well is that you, don't, you recite it if the Imam is reciting loud. You don't recite it. In the first two raka'ah of Maghrib, you don't recite it. You just listen to the Imam. First two raka'ah of Isha, you don't recite it. You just listen to the Imam. Fajr, you just listen to the Imam. Lakin in the quiet, for example, Luhur, Asr, the last two of Maghrib, the last two of Isha and the, the last one of Maghrib, then you recite it. And that is what Allahu Alam what seems to be strong combines between all those evidences. Okay, one, two, three, four questions. Is it yeah? One, yeah. Mm. Um, what if you do, even though you don't have to, if you believe you have to, then you recite it. If you don't if you believe you don't, then you shouldn't recite it. And if you do your salah is still valid, but you shouldn't recite it. No, you can follow the Imam if you want, just so the people, you, outwardly in actions, you, you, recite, you recite by yourself. But intentionally, I'm not following him. I'm just conforming with his actions. But I'm not intending to follow him. No. If the Imam's... Imam's salah is invalid and the ma'moom they know that his salah is invalid then all of their salah is invalid but if they don't know then it's fine for example the Imam doesn't have wudu but I don't know he doesn't have wudu and we pray and then at the end he says later and he says ah, that salah I didn't have wudu my salah is valid he has to repeat it no. yeah then his salah is invalid and if he tells us then I might ask all of our salah is invalid as well oh no I'm sorry if he then there's istikhlaf if he loses it and then he changes another person then that's fine but if it's something that it makes his salah invalid, then everyone else's salah becomes invalid as so, well. If you know about it. If you know about it. If you don't know, then your salah is still valid. Question there? Yeah, yeah you say, according to the Shafi'i, you have to say it out. Even according to them, you can say it to yourself quietly. You can't say it to yourself quietly as well. Hmm. The next pillar is والركوع. the ruku'. That is bowing down, ruku'. And the minimal ruku' is, the minimum, something that is considered to be ruku' is that you bend down low enough for your hands to touch the knees. That you bend down low enough for your hands to touch the knees. For example, let me show you. I don't know if you can see on the camera. Yani, if a person, he bends down low enough for his, knees, for his hands to touch the knees. So, to here. My hand can touch the knee here. This is an, this is an acceptable, the minimal acceptable ruku'. Obviously the sunnah is for you to be all, all the way low so that your back is straight and your, and the, as Aisha radiallahu anha narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lam yushkhus ra'sahu wa lam yusawibhu walakin bayna dhalik. He never used to put his head down nor he used to put it up. But he used to be in the middle. So his back used to be straight. That is the sunnah. Like in the minimal, let's say, what's the minimal? Because we're talking about pillars, right? What's the minimal for your ruku' to be correct? Is that your hands, they reach your knees. That's the minimal. Like in the sunnah, is for you to, for your back to be completely straight. Do you understand? That's the minimal ruku'. That's what's considered to be ruku'. And obviously we have the evidence, which is the man who didn't pray properly. A man who came into the masjid and he didn't pray properly. And the Prophet sallallahu then he came and he gave salam to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the Prophet alayhi salatu wasallam said to him, Irji' fasalli fa inna kalam tusalli. Go back and pray because you never prayed. He never prayed properly. 
And so the Prophet وسلم, taught him the pillars of the Salah. So he says, talking about Takbir and then القرآن, recite some of the Quran in Surah Al-Fatiha. Then do Rukur until you have Tuma'nina in Rukur. So that shows that the Rukur is a pillar. And also Allah says, Do Rukur with those who do Rukur, meaning pray with those who pray. And whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to a whole action with part of the action, then it shows that that part is a pillar of the action. Do you get that principle? Do you get that? Whenever Allah refers to a whole action with a part of the action, then that shows that that part is, is a pillar of the action. Yani, when Allah says, وَرْكَعُوا مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ Do ruku' with those who do ruku'. What is He referring to? The salah. So there, but He referred to it with a part of it, which is the ruku'. That shows that the ruku' is a pillar. So it says, ثُمَّ حَتَّى تَطْمَعِنَّ رَاكِعًا That shows the pillar also, وَرْكَعُوا مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ Do ruku' with those who do ruku'. Mm. Then he says, وَالطُّمَأْنِينَ تُفِيهِ That's what we're going to know. وَالطُّمَأْنِينَ تُفِيهِ Then the next pillar is الطُّمَأْنِينَ in ruku'. And this is why it's 18, because here he mentioned Tumanina with every action that needs Tumanina. What is Tumanina? Tumanina is for you to be in the position for the period of time that you can say the dhikr of that position. To be in that position for the period of time that you can say the dhikr of that position. Tumanina. Tranquility. It doesn't really make sense to be honest. You have, to just, you have to explain it. You have to be in the position for the period of time that you can say the dhikr of that position. For example, let me show you. Oh, I didn't turn it on. Huh. No, no, it's okay. Hold that. It's okay, you might mess it up. I don't know. So look, I'm in Rukur. When, when am I considered to have Tuma'nina? This is not Tuma'nina. Look, this is what is not Tuma'nina. This is wrong. Okay, I say, Allahu Akbar. Sami'Allahu liman hamida. Allahu Akbar. Subhana Rabbi al-Azim. Sami'Allahu liman hamida. I'm moving the whole time. I have to stop and be in the position. So, Allahu Akbar. I'm in the position. Then I can say, Subhana Rabbi al-Azim, which takes one second. Is saying Subhana Rabbi al-Azim the pillar? No, but you have to be in, in the ruku' for the period of time that I can say that. So, I say, Allahu Akbar. Now I'm here. When, I'm st- when my whole body is fully inside the ruku' I have to be in there for at least one second So let's do it practically again Allahu Akbar Allahu liman hamida That's the minimal What's wrong is for someone to say Allahu Akbar Allahu liman hamida Straight away, moving straight away Without tumma'neen your salah is invalid You have to be in that position Otherwise your salah becomes invalid Is that So that's what Tuma'nina is. You have to be in that position for the period of time that you can say the dhikr of that position. Is there any questions from the sisters? Check if there's any questions. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it has to have Tuma'nina. We're going to come to it now. Mm. Are you allowed to bend your arms? You can, yeah, you can bend your arms. This doesn't invalidate, no. Then he says, Wal-i'tidal. The next pillar is Al-i'tidal, which is when you get up for saying Sami'Allahu liman hamida, you know when you get up, Sami'Allahu liman hamida, when you stand up straight, this is called the i'tidal, the pillar of the salah. 
ثم ارفع حتى تطمئن الاعتدال ثم ارفع حتى تعتدل قائما نعم الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم ستان get up until you are in the position of اعتدال ينسان اعتدال سمع الله لمن حمده ربنا ولك الحمد ستاند اب ستريت when you stand up straight this is the pillar raising the hand is sunnah where do you put your hands after on your side or on your chest both of them are allowed as Imam Ahmed said both of them are allowed طيب والطمأنينة فيه you have to have طمأنينة the next pillar is الطمأنينة in this position as well so you have to be in اعتدال for the period of time where you can say ربنا ولك الحمد you can't just go there and move you can't just go there and move as a lot of, a lot of people they do they say سمع الله لمن حمده ربنا ولك الحمد straight away go down they're moving whilst they're saying it you have to have طمأنينة you guys understand what طمأنينة is right Hmm. Yeah, if you do not do Tumanin at the beginning of the Salah, you redo the Raka'ah. Redo the Raka'ah, yeah. No, it doesn't invalidate it. Putting your hands on the knee is not a pillar. But being, being low enough to put your hands on your knee is the pillar. What's Sujood? The next pillar is Sujood. Sujood is for you to have seven body parts on the floor with your head lower than your backside. With your head lower than your backside. It's part of sujood. If your head is not lower than your backside, then you're not in sujood. What's an example of a time where, or a situation where your head will not be lower than your backside? Uh, it's the hill, stairs, mountain. Yani, you're on a mountain, you're doing a mountain steep like this, and you're trying to do sujood. And your head is actually higher than your backside. Then this is not correct, correct sujood. You have to be, your head has to be lower than your backside. And it has to be on seven body parts. What are these seven body parts? They are the ones mentioned in the hadith of Ibn Abbas in Bukhari Muslim. Where he said, Umirtu an asjud ala sab'ati a'adhum. The Prophet said, I was commanded to do sujood on seven body parts. Number one is, Al-jabhat wal-anf. Is the forehead and the nose. That's one. Forehead and the nose is one. So the forehead and the nose. Some people, they just do sujood in their forehead. Without their nose touching the floor. It's the forehead and the nose. Forehead and the nose. And in fact, the Shafi'iyah, they say that you must make sure that the forehead and the nose are not just touching the ground. They are pressing on the ground. How do you do that? By using your feet to press the ground. If you get your feet and you're like this, your feet are like this, and you press it, you're going to find that your forehead also and your, your, your nose, it presses down on the ground. Then they use the hadith of Ibn, Ibn Hibban narrated, إِذَا سَجَدْتَ فَمَكِّنْ جَبْهَتَكَ بِمِنَ الْأَرْضِ وَلَا تَنْفِرْ وَلَا تَنْقُرْ نَقْرَعًا And written by Ibn Hibban is Sahih. He says, when you, when you do sujood, then مَكِّنْ جَبْهَتَكَ مِنَ الْأَرْضِ Make sure that your, your, your forehead is pressed on the ground. And don't just, press, don't just touch it like a, like a, don't just pick it. Don't just pick it, pick the ground or just touch the ground. So your nose, that's the first one, number one. Number, nose and forehead. Number two and three is your two hands, right hand and left hand. Two, three. Two, three. So you have one, two, three. Four, five is your two knees. Four and five is your two knees. Six and seven is the الأصابع Your toes, the, the insides of your toes. Yani the, the, the insides of your toes, you know, the, 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 the bottom of your toes. So it shouldn't be the top of your toes like this, the bottom of your toes has to be like this. That's how it should be. The most important thing they say is that the forehead, as long as the forehead is on the floor, then your sujood is correct. But some of the scholars, Mr. Shafi'i, that's what they say, a majority of scholars. A lot of the Hanabila, they're more strict with this. And they say all of these seven must be on the floor the whole time. 
except with the toes, they're a bit more lenient with the toes, even if it's not the insides of the toes, even if it's not the bottom of the toes, the top of the toes is all fine. Like in the point is the sujood should be on those seven body parts. Should be on those seven body parts. And you shouldn't lift any of them up whilst in the position of sujood. The next pillar is you have to have tumanina in sujood. The next pillar is that you have to have tumanina in sujood. The next pillar is waljulusu bayna sajdataini to sit between the two sujood. Sitting between the two sujood. Where we say Rabbi Ghfirli, right? You have to sit in, in, the, in, in between the two sujood. However you sit is fine. And the sunnah is to do al-iftirash. The sunnah is to do al-iftirash. What's iftirash? You have your right foot up and your left foot, you're sitting on it. So your right foot is upright and your left foot is sitting on it. This is called iftirash. It's sunnah to sit like that between the two sujood. The second way that is also sunnah to sit between the two sujood is al-iq'a. It's called al-iq'a, which is to have both of your feet like upright and you're sitting on, the t- on your heels. You understand, what, you understand that position? You have both of your feet upright and you're sitting on your heels. Do you understand that position? Huh? Everyone understand that position? Who can do it? Who's doing it? Yes, that's iq'a. And iftirash is the other one. Where something that I can't see but I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Huh? You're sitting on your left foot and your right foot is upright. طيب. Then he says, uh, that's between the two sujood. Uh, you have to have tuma'nina in it. Again, you have to have tuma'nina in the bit sitting between the two sujood. The next one is waljulusul akhir, the last sitting. The last sitting. Meaning, the first tashahud is when you have four raka'ah, how many tashahud do you have? How many sittings do you have? You have two. You have after two raka'ah and after four raka'ah, right? The one after two raka'ah is not a pillar. So if a person misses out by accident, then his salah is still valid. But the pillar is the one at the end, sitting at the end for the tashahud. Sitting at the end of the tashah- for the tashahud, this is the pillar. And the way to sit down in this position is by the sunnah. It's not obligatory, but the sunnah is at tawarruk. Tawarruk is to sit in the position where you are sitting on your hip and your right foot is upright and your left foot is under your right thigh. Is that clear? Or right shin. Is that clear? You ever know what tawarruk is? Basically how we sit at the end of the, the salah. At the end of the salah, you're sitting and you're, 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 you're Hip, your, your, your backside is on the floor and your left foot is underneath your right foot. This is called a tawarruk and a sunnah. If a person can't do it, of course it's a sunnah, it's, it's voluntary. A person doesn't have to do it. But the, the point is that sitting down is a pillar. The next pillar is what tashahudu fihi. You must do a tashahud in the while sitting down. What is a tashahud? It's a tahiyyatu lillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibatu wa salamu alayka ayyuhal nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa salamu alayna. This is the tashahud. You have to say that. So this pillar is a, is a word. As opposed to the previous pillar which is a? Which is an action. The way you're sitting. This is a sentence. You have to say it. التشهد فيه. And that's because of the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. كُنَّا نَقُولُ قَبْلَ أَنْ يُفْرَضَ عَلَيْنَا التَّشَهُدَ السَّلَامُ عَلَيْهِ عَلَى اللَّهِ We used to say before tashahud was obligatory. السَّلَامُ عَلَى اللَّهِ Peace be upon Allah. والسلام على فلان and peace be upon so and so so the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what's the ruling on saying السلام على الله why احسنت uh, we took a kitab al-tawheed remember guys if you guys weren't here kitab al-tawheed when we said you're not allowed to say السلام على الله making dua for Allah because Allah is already perfect how can you make dua for Allah that goes against tawheed so السلام على الله we used to say that 
So the Prophet sallallahu said, قُولُوا أَتْحِيَاتُ لِلَّهِ لَا تَقُولُوا أَسْسَلَامُ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ السَّلَامُ Don't say salam be upon Allah, peace be upon Allah, because Allah is salam. Rather you say أَتْحِيَاتُ and he mentioned, he taught them أَتْحِيَاتُ and that shows that it's obligatory. Because Ibn Mas'ud, what did he say at the beginning of the hadith? كُنَّا نَقُولُ قَبْلَ أَن يُفْرَضَ عَلَيْنَا We used to say before, التَّشَهُدُ was made obligatory upon us. So therefore it was made obligatory upon them, after. Alright? So that shows that it is an obligation. The next one is الصَّلَاةُ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ فِيهِ To send salah on the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in the tashahud. After the tashahud, sorry, in the sitting. So, how many pillars do we have in this position? We're sitting down, that's a pillar. Then we have another pillar which is the tashahud. Then we have another pillar which is sending salah on the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. And that is by saying, اللَّهُمَّ صَلِّ عَلَى مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلَى آلِ مُحَمَّدُ كَمَا صَلَّيْتَ عَلَى آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِنَّكَ حَمِدُ كَمَا صَلَّيْتَ عَلَى إِبْرَاهِيمِ وَعَلَى آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِنَّكَ حَمِدُ مَجِيدٌ وَبَارِكْ عَلَى مُحَمَّدُ وَعَلَى آلِ مُحَمَّدٍ كَمَا بَارَكْتَ عَلَى آلِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِنَّكَ حَمِدٌ مَجِيدٌ That is the salah on the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that he taught to Ubayy ibn Ka'b رضي الله عنه Both of them, yeah. So you have to say tahiyyat and then you have to send salah on the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. Uh, no, they say the minimal. Yani, some of the scholars, the Shafi'i, they say the minimal just say Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Like in Saifa, because other scholars they say, Saifa is say the whole thing. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ala Muhammad kama salli ta'ala. The way he taught Ubayy ibn Ka'ab. That's the minimal. Mm. Yeah, so in the first tashahud, do you say Allahumma salli ala Muhammad? It is. According to the Shafi'i, it's Sunnah. According to them, it's Sunnah. Ibn Qayyim, he says, no, it's not Sunnah. So rather, you just say Tahiyyat, and then, Islam asal ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, ashadu anna Muhammad an abduhu wa rasooluh, and you stand up. That's better, wallahu alam. But if some people do it, then it's fine. No, the Hanafis don't have it. The Hanafis, they don't have Tawarruq. Only the Hanafis. The Hanabila, they have it. Shafi'i and Maliki, they will have it. Only the Hanafis don't do it. Hmm. Did the Tahiyyat change? So do you say Assalamu ala Nabi wa rahmatullahi wa Assalamu alayka? Some of the companions, they said Assalamu ala Nabi like Aisha radiallahu anha. And other companions, they went against that. And that seems to be more correct. The majority of the scholars, they take that opinion. That you don't say Assalamu ala Nabi. You say the way the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa taught us. Why? Because the Prophet وسلم, can an act of worship change after he dies? No, we can't change it. So therefore we stick to how the Prophet وسلم, to us. Wallahu alam. So he says, Assalamu alaikum, ayyuhan nabi wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yeah, is tawarruq for fajr or to shafi'i? Yes, even for fajr. As long as it's the last tashahud, it's tawarruq. Turn up. Khushu. Tumanina. Tumanina is just to stay in the position. It doesn't mean actually, just when just, yeah, just because the brother asked me to translate it. And there's not really a translation like that. You understand? As long as you're in the position. Mm. What was the correct position? What's the correct posi position of the finger during the tashahud or the sunnah? Al Mamanawi, he says that the finger, or they say that the finger, should be the way that you do the, the, the we're going to learn actually today inshallah 
is that your, your left hand should be on your left thigh and it should be open like this. And your right hand, can you see it? And the right hand should be on your right thigh with, and it should be clenched like this, except for the finger. The finger should be not clenched. And you raise the finger when you say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. And you keep it raised until the end. Wallahu a'lam. And if a person raises it from the beginning, then that's fine. If a person moves it during dua, then that's fine. Lakin, the, uh, according to these scholars, they just say you just keep it up. And that's fine. That's, that's the best. Wallahu a'lam. Because there's authenticity. Some of the scholars, they question the authenticity of removing the finger. No, you don't put it down. You still keep it up. Now, last question. Yeah, the, the tawarruk is for the sunnah as well. All of the pillars. All of the salah. The next one is what taslimatul ula, the first taslima. The next pillar is to say assalamu alaikum the first time. And the minimum is to say assalamu alaikum. If you say assalamu alaikum the first time without even moving your head, assalamu alaikum, then you're out, you're out the salah. But the sunnah obviously is to move your head to the right, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah twice. If the person just does it once, then he's reached the pillar, he's done the pillar. Mm. Assalamu alaikum, yeah. Yeah, there's no tumma'nina in tashahud. Because you have to say that, you have to say it anyway. You can't just finish it in one, in one time. Tayyip. The next intention is that, the next pillar is that, you must have the intention to leave the salah. You must have the intention to leave the salah. And the next pillar is, التَّرْتِيبِ has to be in that order. Meaning the pillars must be done in order. You can't pray salah in a different order that you just want to do it. You have to pray in that order. طيب, those are the pillars of the salah. Now we go into the sunan qabla al-dukhul fiha. Yeah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh is narrated. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi is narrated. Assalamu alaikum is narrated. All of it is allowed. And if you're praying behind the, the, the imam in jama'ah and you miss the pillar, then when the imam finishes the salah, you get up and you make up the whole rak'ah again. The one you pissed the pillar in. And where does it say that you can say only twice, once, or twice? Yeah, only once. What's the The ending of the salah is taslim. Who said it has to be twice? That's general. As long as you say salam alaikum, it's done. Yeah. Hanabila says it has to be twice. Better. Stay like that. Write it down. Last question. Last question. If the Imam makes a mistake, it's different. The, the brother didn't ask that question. If the Imam makes a mistake, then you don't follow the Imam in the mistake. Either you correct him. If he doesn't want to correct, then you leave the Salah. You pray by yourself. Then you have to correct him. You leave. No, you can't follow the Imam in the filler. If the Imam goes straight to sujood, do you go straight to sujood? No. You go to you wait, you say subhanallah until he gets up to ruku and do does ruku. If he doesn't do it, then you leave the salah. Yeah, if a person stands up for the third rak'ah without doing the first tashahud, then 
he stays standing. And if the people say, SubhanAllah, he tells them to stand up like this, like Ibn Mas'ud done with his hand. Stand up. Because you don't go back. If you're on, you stand, you stood up for the third rakah, it's a pillar. You don't go back for something that's not a pillar. You stay standing. No, that was the last question. Write it down, inshaAllah, the questions. وَسُنَنُهَا قَبْلَ الدُّخُولِ فِيهَا شَيْئًا The sunan of the salah before you enter into the salah. Here he mentions in the Shafi'i, they say that these two things are two sunan in the salah. Meaning they are voluntary acts before the salah. And that is number one, al-adhan. The adhan according to the Shafi'i is sunnah. And the adhan is something that is from the outward symbols of Islam. It's from the outward symbols of Islam. And so therefore, the, the, the principle is that a, lot of, that a lot of scholars they take is that anything which is considered to be an outward symbol of Islam, then it is a, it is fardu kifaya, it's a communal obligation. It must be established. For example, the adhan. The adhan is a symbol of Islam. And that's why the Prophet وسلم, when he would send Khalid ibn Walid to a village or a tribe or, or a city, he would say, wait until Fajr time. And if, if at Fajr time you hear the adhan, then don't attack that city. And if you do not hear the adhan, then attack them and assume that they're not Muslim. Because it is an outward symbol of Islam. So Islam uh, has to be, the adhan must be established. So the other opinion, which is the opinion of Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah, is that this, the adhan is fardu kifaya. No, sorry, not Imam al-Nawawi, sorry. According to some of the Shafi'iyah, and it's the Hanbali opinion as well, that it is in a communal obligation. It must be established. The adhan must be established. That's the first one. And the adhan was, was uh, narrated from Khalid ibn Zayd ibn Abdi Rabbihi that he saw in a dream. The companions, they, would, uh, they, would, they were deciding when they went to Al-Madinah, how would they call for salah? So some of them suggested that they should call with a bell, like the Christians. And some of them, they suggest that we should call for the salah with a horn, like the Jews. And so Zayd ibn Khalid ibn Abdi Rabbihi, he saw in his dream, that a man, that a person taught him the adhan Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar And then he woke up in the morning and he told the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this dream And so the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he agreed with it And he said this is revelation from Allah So this is the adhan Go and teach Bilal فَإِنَّهُ أَنْدَى مِنْكَ صَوْتًا Because Bilal has a better and louder voice than you So go and teach it to Bilal Radiallahu anhu And then Umar bin Khattab came and he said he saw the same dream And it's narrated by Al-Bukhari, a Muslim so therefore, the adhan, this is how the adhan was legislated in Islam and it's from the outward symbols of Islam so therefore it is fardu kifaya, a communal obligation that must be established in the community. If the community do not have any adhan, then they're all sinning. And this is from the reasons why some of the, a lot of the scholars, they say that if the adhan is not established in a land, then it is obligatory for the Muslims to leave that land and do hijrah. If the adhan is not established in a land, then they must leave that land and do hijrah for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second sunnah that he mentions also iqama, the iqama, and that is the same ruling. With the, uh, that takes the same ruling as the adhan. That takes the same ruling as the adhan. Is that clear? What's the question at the end over there? Yeah, if you join, if you join the salah whilst the the congregation are in tahiyat. Then you, you join with the tahiyat, and then when they finish, you stand up and you pray the rest of the salah. Now, the next one is iqama. Tayyib, here's a mas'ala, a good mas'ala that the, the shafi'i or the scholars they bring. What is better, the adhan or being imam? What is better, the adhan or being imam? And the scholars they differ on this. What is better? 
he says, There's difference of opinion. Al-Sahih Al-Rafi'i, he says, the Imamah is better. Al-Nawawi, he says, The opinion of the majority of the Shafi'i scholars is that the Adhan is better. And this is, and it's also been narrated from Imam Imam Shafi'i that he did, he disliked for a person to want to be the Imam. Why? Because they say that the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu was first of all from the, from the reason why the adhan is better than the iqamah is the virtues of the adhan are more than the virtues of the sorry the reason why the adhan is better than being leading the salah is because the virtues that have been narrated with regards to the adhan are more than the virtues regarding to regarding the being the imam the prophet sallallahu said al-mu'adhinuna on the day of judgment the people who have the longest necks will be the mu'adhinin and the scholars, they differed on explaining how, what does that mean. So they said that it means they'll be the most honor, honorable. With their necks, they'll be high. And some of them, they said their necks will be high so they won't drown in their sweat. Like, as the people of sin will drown. So the, and also the Mu'addin, everything that hears his Adhan will witness for him on the Day of Judgment. And Mu'addin, everyone who comes to the Salah after his Adhan, he will get the reward for every single one of them. And also the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in the Hadith, Allahumma, Allahumma ghfir lil Mu'addinin wa Allahumma... Al-Imam Dhamin Wal-Mu'addin Mu'taman The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said the Imam is Dhamin The Imam is responsible Meaning you're responsible for the Salah of everyone behind you Right? So therefore uh, The scholars they say that a person who is responsible And he's, he, he's more risk A person who is responsible is at more risk of sinning yani He's at more risk of failing in that responsibility And if a person for example he goes and he wants to be the Imam but he can't even recite Surah Al-Fatiha properly. He doesn't know the pillars of the Salah. Unknowingly, his Salah is invalid, and everyone in, in, the, in, the, in the Masjid, he's taking responsibility of their Salah as well. They're off the hook, but he's taking that responsibility on the Day of Judgment. And so the Prophet Sallallahu said, Allah forgive the Imam. Oh Allah forgive the Imam. Because of the sins that, he, and that's from the virtues of being Imam, uh, because of the sins that he may incur upon himself. Uh, the reason why some of the scholars say Imam is better is because the Prophet Sallallahu was the Imam. So how do, we, how do we respond to that? We say the Imam, the Imam it should be the, he, has, he should have the most perfect characteristics. But the actual action of being the Imam is not actually not better. It's not better. Unless there is no one else that has those same characteristics. Yani let's say a person who is a person who is a hafiz of the Quran and he knows how to pray the salah properly and he knows the fiqh of salah. Everyone else doesn't know. What is it better for him? Is it better for him to do the adhan or is it better for him to lead the salah? Better for him to lead the salah. But as a position, what is better? The mu'adhin is better. As a position. And if a person, ha- there's two people, who, who there's uh, two people, both of them, they can pray, lead the salah properly. Both of them, they're equal. What's b- and two of them. What's better for one of them, for them to do? It's better for them to race to go to the adhan instead and let the other one lead. Allahu alam. That seems to be, that seems to be that's stronger than the Imam Nawi, what he says. Because the position of Imam is a position of responsibility. You're responsible for every single salah of the people behind you. Wallahu alam. And so the Prophet ﷺ, for him of course, it was better for him to be the Imam because he was the perfect Imam. But as a position, the Adhan is better. The next one after that he says, the sunan which are after the salah. What he means by sunan here, meaning during the salah, what he means by sunan that are during the salah, is these are actions that are, a person is not allowed to leave them out on purpose. 
That's what he means by sunan here. And the Shafi'iyah, what they call this, they call it ab'aad al-salah. The ab'aad of the salah. Ab'aad. So whenever you find the Shafi'iyah use the word ab'aad al-salah, they mean these things. What do they, what's the ruling on them? You must establish them. But if you forget it by accident, then it's okay. And if you forget it on purpose, then your salah is invalid. Yani you have to do it. But if you do, if you forget it by accident, then it's fine. What did the Hanabila call this? Wajib. The Hanabila they call this wajib. You call it Ab'ad al salah. Number one is At-Tashahud al-Awwal, the first Tashahud. You know we have in the Salah, we have two Tashahud, right? After two Raka'ah and after four Raka'ah, right? Tashahud Tahiyyat. The first one is from the Ab'ad of the Salah. You have to establish it. If you do, if, but if you forget about accident, what happens? It's okay. And you make it up by Sujood al-Sahu at the end. You do Sujood al-Sahu, you do two Sujood at the end of the Salah. Before the Taslim or after the Taslim. So the first Tashahud comes under, from the Ab'ad of the Salah. The, the scholar here, the, the book here, the author here, he mentions them as Sunan. The next one is Wal-Qunutu Fis-Subh. Doing Qunut, meaning Dua, in the Fajr prayer. During Dua, in the Fajr prayer. The Shafi'is, and a lot of people you're going to find this um, in, in the Shafi'i countries, that on, in the Fajr prayer, in the second Raka'ah, when the Imam says, Sami'a Allahu liman hamida, what does he do? Allahumma hadina fi man hadayt, wa'afina fi man a'afayt, he makes Dua. And this is from the Shafi'i opinion on Qunut. That's what they say. And the evidence they have is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu and other, and other, other evidences they bring. Lakin it's narrated from many other scholars that, the, that they said that this is not a sunnah. Rather the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would only do dua of qunut at a nazila when there a calamity occurs. And that would be in all of the five daily prayers. Meaning when something happens in the ummah, people are being killed, something is a calamity, a new, a new, a new hardship is coming in, to this ummah, then it is sunnah for the masjids, for the masajid, the imam of the masajid, to do qunut for every salah. When they say, Sami'allahu liman hamida, in the last rak'ah, they make dua for that calamity. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when some of his companions were killed, he qanata shahran. He done qunut for one whole month. So the, the, the Shafi'is, they said that it is sunnah from this, they said that it's sunnah to do it every fajr salah. And what is most strong is to say that it's only sunnah, when there is a calamity. As for when there is no calamity, then the companions, they disagreed with this. They didn't do it in Fajr Salah, the majority of the companions. So therefore, we don't do it in Fajr Salah, but that's what the Shafi'is they mentioned. And also, to do Qunut in Salatul Witr, in the last half of Ramadan. In the last half of Ramadan. In the second half of Ramadan. Meaning, from the 15th of Ramadan onwards, you do Qunut in every Salatul Witr. And this is the action of Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. He would do it in Al-Kufa. He would do Qunut. And that is to say, Allahumma hadini fi man hadayt, wa aafini fi man aafayt, wa tawallani fi man tawallayt, wa barik li fi ma aatayt, wa qini sharra ma qadayt, fa inna ka taqdi wa la iqda alayk, wa innahu la yadillu man walayta wa tabarakta wa tabarakta rabbana wa ta'alayt. As narrated by Abu Dawud and Al-Tirmidhi and Al-Nasai with an authentic chain of narration. So therefore it's a sunnah to do it in the second half of Ramadan only. As for the first half or the whole of Ramadan, then is it sunnah? It's allowed. It's allowed. Like in Imam Shafi'i, he took the opinion of Ali ibn Abi Talib to do it only in the second half of Ramadan. And if someone wants to take another opinion, then you could say that it is good to do khunut sometimes in Ramadan and sometimes not to do it. But to make sure you do it all of the nice ten nights. So, in the beginning of Ramadan, you do khunut. In the beginning of Ramadan, 
you do qunut. And during Ramadan, you do qunut, the whole of Ramadan. But when you, sometimes you don't do qunut in order to give them a rest. Wallahu alam. Is that clear? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Now these are the sunan of the salah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No. That's not that. According to them, yes. But Allah alam you don't it's sunnah. And it's not it's not that bad. So if you forget to do the shahud and then you forget to do the shahud, then that's it. They say that shaitan got the person twice. So you don't have to you don't do anything after that. Mm. Yeah, only these two things. Only these two. And they mention also inside the first shahud the things that are part of it. So the shahud is the, is the, is the, is from the abad. So therefore sending salah on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is also from the abad. Anything that's inside it, sitting in it, the shahud in it, and salah on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in it. Hayatuha, now the sunan of salah, meaning the things. Nah. Yeah, and if you forget the tashahud, the first one. Mm-hmm. Sujud the sahu. Yeah. No, we just mentioned the brother if you forget the first tashahud and you forget to do the sahu, then you forget you 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 leave it. Halas, you missed it, no problem. Mm, last two questions, huh? No, you, you do takbir, not takbir al ihram, it's takbir. No, you do. Both. You can do any. You can do any. You can do both, you can do after. Both of them are fine. Yeah, this one is they say, if you've added, then you should do it after. And if you've taken something away, then you should do it before. But you can still be do both. Even if you added and you do it before, it's fine. Or you took something away and you do it after, it's fine. But I can, they, they, the Maliki, some of the scholars, they say, yeah, this is the way to, the best way to do it. The way you mentioned. If you added something, you do it after the salam. And if you took away something, and you do it before the salam. What's the, as a takbir, what's the ruling on saying takbir and it was Allahu Akbar? Is that sunnah? Have you guys heard the hadith of it? Have you guys got any evidence from it? So next time someone says takbir, what are you going to do? You're going to stay silent. Why? Because you haven't got any evidence for that. No evidence for someone to do that. Takbir, Allahu Akbar. No evidence for that. It's not from the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Someone becomes Muslim, someone says takbir, Allahu Akbar. Someone raises a lot of money and says takbir, Allahu Akbar. No, there's none of it. How do you show gratitude to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala when something happening this good? Alhamdulillah, like can you do? Sujood is shukr. You do sujood to Allah. Sujood is shukr. Not takbir of shukr. It's not from the sunnah at all. So be careful of that. A lot of people, they do that. Hmm. Um, what should you do if you forget what rakah you're on? Then in that case, you, may, you count the lowest. So let's say you think, am I, am I on second or third? You assume you're on the lowest, the second. Am I on the fourth or fifth? You assume you're on the lowest. No fifth, there's no fifth. 
third or fourth? Then I'm on the third. طيب, last question. Yeah, sujood is shukr, you should face the qibla. You have to, all the conditions of the salah must be present. You have to, according to four imams, you have to have wudu, you have to have face the qibla, and. Subhana Rabbi Ala, same thing. All of it, same thing. Same sujood. That was the last question. Now you can wait until the next break. Tayyib. The hi'at of the salah. Hi'at, meaning the sunan. These are voluntary acts that. If you miss out, then your salah is still valid. What do you do if you forget what rakah on? You build it, do the least, right? Remember, I said that. Huh? What, so the sunan are the voluntary acts that if you miss out, then your salah is still valid. But if you do them, then you get extra reward. And there are many of them. And the, the scholar here, he mentioned, the author here mentioned some of them. Number one is, Raising the hand at takbirat al-ihram. Raising the hand at Takbirat al-Ihram. So Raf'u al-Yadayn is a sunnah that's been narrated from many of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And by ijma' it is sunnah at Takbirat al-Ihram. No difference of opinion. When you start the salah, it's sunnah. Allahu Akbar. To raise your hand. Even the Hanafis and the Malikis, they say it's sunnah this time. At the beginning. Allahu Akbar. When you do Takbirat al-Ihram. How do you do Raf'u al-Yadayn? Raf'u al-Yadayn is to raise the hand Hadwa al-Mankibayn. That your hands are adjacent to your shoulders. And th- there's different narrations. Some of them narrate that it's up to the ears. And some of them narrate that it's up to the shoulders. So how do we combine between those two narrations? We say that the bottom of your hands at your shoulders. And the top of your hands at your ears. So like this. And some scholars they say you choose. You can do up to your ears. And you can do up to your shoulders. And both are okay. No. So if a person... He does. He does. Uh, he raises his hand. If a person raises his hand up to his ears, does he touch his ears like this? No, it's not sunnah. It's adjacent, like this. But the sunnah is for you to have the bottom of your hand at your shoulders and the top of your hand at your ears. That's how you raise your hand. When do you raise it? You raise it either after Allah. So you say Allahu Akbar or with. Sorry, at the same time, Allahu Akbar or. You raise it and then you say Allahu Akbar after. And those two are the sunnah. As for Allahu Akbar and then raising it, then this is weak, according to a lot of scholars. You understand? Is that clear, guys? That's the first position where you do takbir, when you raise your hand. That's the takbir al ihram. The second position where you raise your hands is in the ruku' when you're doing ruku'. So you finish the fatiha, you finish the surah with the dalin amin, and you're going down to the next to the ruku'. You raise your hand in the same manner, in the same way, and you say Allahu Akbar, you go down to Ruku'. And this is Sunnah according to the, a lot of the scholars and a lot of the companions. And the hadith that have been narrated regarding, regarding this are many. Many narrated from the Prophet and also narrated from the companions like Ibn Umar and others. And the next position is when you get up from Ruku'. When you get up from Ruku'. So you say, Samia Allahu liman hamida, and you raise your hands in the same manner that we mentioned before. This is the three that the, 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 the author here he mentioned. Another fourth one, which the Shafi'i also mentioned, but the author didn't mention it here, is when you get up from the first tashahud. When you get up from the first tashahud. So when you're going to the third raka'ah, from the first tashahud, you're in the tashahud, and you get up to the third raka'ah, then it's sunnah to raise your hand 
in the same manner whilst getting up. Now, this is because of the hadith of Ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhum, anhuma. He narrated that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he raised his hand in these four positions. In the hadith, يَرْفَعُ مَا رَوَاهُ بْنِ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا أَنَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ كَانَ يَرْفَعُ يَدَيْهِ حَذْوَ مَنْكِبَيْهِ إِذَا افْتَتِحَ الصَّلَاةُ The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would um, raise his hand when he would open and start the salah. And also in the Ibn Umar رضي الله عنهما narrates the other positions as well. Um, نعم, these are, this is regarding to raising the hand. Does a woman prayer count if a menstrual cycle comes within the salah? No, the salah is invalid. And the salah becomes invalid if a menstrual cycle comes within the salah. And you have to make qada of that specific salah yeah, if it comes in the salah. If you're if you, if you aware of a mistake you made in the salah, uh, salah you perform after you've learnt its ruling, does it have to be repeated? No. If you learnt its ruling of the salah after and it's a mistake, then you don't have to repeat all of those prayers. Wallahu alam. Because of ignorance, you're excused. As mentioned by Sheikh Salih al Fawzan. Not able to do itidal is salah valid if you're, una- if, you're, if you're unable to stay in a position correctly to keep wudu after urine comes after to keep wudu after urge comes during salah. Yeah, and if, if it's a disability where you cannot control your urine, then yeah, of course you don't have to go fully into itidal. But if it's because you're really urgent, you need to go to the toilet urgently, and so therefore if you do itidal properly, your urine is going to come out. Then in that case, you have to break the salah. You have to break the salah. Go and you use your to- use your toilet and then come back. And pray the salah. If your period ends and you have to do ghusl, you have to pray the salah you have missed. It ends at maghrib, but you can't do ghusl until one hour later. Yeah, you have to pray isha and maghrib. You have to pray. if it if it finishes at maghrib, you have to pray maghrib and in an isha as well. If you go into sujood when you are meant to do when you are meant to go into rukur and stand back up and correct yourself, do sujood as needs to be performed. Yeah, you should do sujood as as well. Hmm? Mm. The hadith when it comes to Raf al are not mutawatira, they are mustafidah. And that's a level, low, level below mutawatir. Level below mutawatir. But that shows that it is no doubt affirmed in the Sunnah. Yeah, those two positions and the first and the fourth as well. The next Sunnah is to put your right hand. On your left hand, the right hand on the left hand, and that's a sunnah. So if a person raises, prays with his hands on his side, is the salah correct? Yes, the salah is correct. But the sunnah is to put his right hand on his left hand. طيب, where does he put it? His right hand on his left hand. Does he put it below his navel, above his navel, on his chest? Where does he put it? The hadith that have been narrated in this are all weak. All of the hadith that have been narrated about where to put your hands on your chest, where to put your hands, they're all weak. So where does the person put it? He puts it wherever is more comfortable for him. And the Shafi'iyah, they prefer that a person puts it above his navel. Above his navel. And above his navel. Because uh, that's the way that it's more suitable for a lot of human beings. Like if it's more su- suitable for a person, maybe he's, um, يعني, it's easier for him to put it below, then it's fine. And if it's easier to put it for him to put it above, then it's fine. And the hadith are all weak, but the most authentic ones, even though they're all weak, the strongest ones out of the weak ones, uh, is the ones that narrate, ma- mention the chest. And scholars, they mention the sadr, anything above the, they mention that it can be anything above the, the belly button. And some of them mention is just specifically to the chest. Allahu alam, if, if a person puts it above his belly button, then this is the, what Imam al Nawi says he should do. 
なんの少し If he needs to go to the toilet and Salah is about to go out, then he carries on praying because it's about to go out. Unless he's going to break his wudu completely. Then he can go out and he has to do wudu and he has to pray again with the intention of qada. Allah, I don't know. If he delayed intentionally, Allah, I don't know. Mm, that's fine, it's been narrated as well. So if someone raises his hand whilst in tashahud before getting up, that's also been narrated, so it's fine. Um, والتوجه, the next sunnah is tawajjuh. A tawajjuh is dua al istiftah. Is, the, is, one, is one of the dua of istiftah, one of the openings dua, one of the opening duas. The opening dua is the dua you make at the beginning of the salah after the takbirat al ihram. In the hadith of Abu Hurairah, he said, إني سمع, إني أسمعك, إني أسمع, إني تسمع, Abu Hurairah said to the Prophet ﷺ, I hear you after you start the salah, Allah Akbar, you're quiet for a bit. For what do you say? And so the Prophet ﷺ taught Abu Hurairah the dua, one of the du'as of istiftah, which is Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'adta bayna al-mashriqi wal-maghrib. The hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari Muslim. So this is one of them. The Shafi'iyah, they say the best dua of istiftah is the dua of tawajjuh which is which to say wajjahtu wajhiya lilladhi fatara samawati wal ardh hanifan wama ana min al mushrikin inna salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati lillahi rabbil alamin la sharika lah wa bidhalika umirtu wa ana min al muslimin this is the shafi'i this is what they say is the best and the hanabila they say the best one is to say um subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa tabarakasmuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk it's been written from umar ibn khattab so all of these three are fine. The person said, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'adta bayna al-mashriqi wal-maghribi until the end of that dua which narrated by Bukhari Muslim. Or you say the wajdahtu wajihiyya lilladhi fatara al-samawati wal-arda hanifa ma'ana min al-mushrikeen which is narrated in Muslim itself. Or you say the one of Umar al-Khattab which is narrated in the Muslim of Imam Ahmed. Then all of it is fine. The point is the dua of istiftah, the opening dua which you say after Allahu Akbar is sunnah. Whichever one you say is fine. But can you do all of them? No, only one of them. You only choose one of them each salah. So this salah you can do one, you can, so you can do one all the time. <laughs> the next one is wal-isti'adha. To say, a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Before you start reciting the, the Qur'an. Why? Because Allah says, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ When you intend to recite the Qur'an, then seek refuge with Allah from the shaytan. So, it is sunnah to say, a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. I seek refuge with Allah. From the shaitan, the cursed shaitan, before you start reciting uh, Surah Al-Fatiha, Al-Isti'adha. So what's the order? Allahu Akbar, which is the pillar. Then, Dua Al-Istiftah. Then, A'udhu Billahi Minash Al-Isti'adha, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajim. Then, the pillar. Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alim Al-Fatiha. Tayyib? No. Yeah, you can say A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajim, in Hamzihi, and Nafihi, and Nafihi. You can say all of that. Any 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 way that you're seeking refuge with Allah with Allah from Shaitan is fine. Mm. Now, how do you fold your hands on top of your right, right hand on your left hand? The Sunnah is for you to grab your wrist or grab your forearm or to put it. So you have a wad or qabd. Both of them are allowed. Wad is to put your hands on top of your wrist or your forearm, or you can grab qabd, your wrist or your forearm. All of it's fine. As for one, some of the scholars, they mention which is bid'ah, 
is what the Hanafis they do is to say it is sunnah to hold your thumb with your pinky finger like this and say this is sunnah and this is not sunnah from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam it's not qabd qabd is for the whole hand and sometimes scholars they say this is bid'ah from the Hanafis hmm. yeah a problem also another one what people do is up to here up to the elbow no it's not sunnah at all for someone to do it all the way up to the elbow it's not sunnah rather you put it on your forearm anywhere on your forearm or grab anywhere in your forearm or grab your wrist or put it on top of your wrist all of it's like allowed like this, like this, like this, like this, all of it's okay. Hmm? Any question? Hmm. The next sunnah is to read out loud in its correct position. When do you read out loud? Fajr Salah, Maghrib, the first two of Maghrib, and the first two of Isha. Sunnah. Person recites quietly. His salah is still valid. Mm. But he should do sujood al sahu According to Imam Ahmed. Yeah, a person accidentally is leading Isha and he reads quietly. At the end he recites, he does sujood al sahu If someone prays with the hand down on the side, then he's going against the sunnah because that's been authentically transmitted. You have to put your right hand on your left hand. That's sunnah. But if he, but now where's the, where's the no problem is when you where where above upper in the chest below the chest whatever, all of it's fine. Mm. Last two questions, one two, that's it. Ahsant, mm. very good. Ibn Taqiq al Eid, he says I don't know. Ibn Taqiq al Eid in a question he says in his in his Sharh al Umda he says, what is reciting out loud, and what is reciting quietly? It sounds very philosophical. Huh? What is it? He says I don't know. Sheikh Saleh al usaymi he says, it's an important message, he says, it is to recite with the intention of the people around you to hear you, even if they can't hear you. That's jahar. Yani, it's true, it's a hard question. Yani, a lot of people, they're doing israr, but they're like, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Is that jahar or not? That's not jahar, that's israr for them. Because they don't intend for other people to read, to hear you. So what is to read loud? What is, the, what is reading loud? What is reading quietly? Sheikh Saleh al-Usaymi, he gives this definition. Ibn Daqiq al-Eid, he said, this is from the Messiah, I don't know, I don't know the answer to it. Reading out loud is for you to read with the people around you, with the intention of the people around you to hear, even if they don't hear. And Israr, reading quietly, is for the, to read with the intention of people around you not to hear, even if they hear. Mm. No, because what if I say Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Exactly, so it's a jahr or it's israr. But it's israr though. I'm reading quietly. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahman, Malikam, Al-Din. That's why Ibn Daqiq said, I don't know. Ibn Daqiq was a smart man. He was very, he was intellectual. He was the key. Very, very smart. He was one of the people that they used to say he was one of those, like, in genius. Like he said, I don't know. So it's a hard mas'ala to be honest. It is hard. But that's what Sheikh Saleh Al-Sayyid mentioned. I'm sorry, that was the last question there. Sorry. Sorry. If you're, if you're by yourself, do you read out loud? Yes, it's soon. You recite out loud. Last question. Yeah, the Shafi'i Madhab, they say that reciting quietly is that you only you can only hear for yourself. You make yourself hear only. Only make yourself hear. But what if the people around you here? Then have you done jahr now? 
I said a lot of brothers when especially you go to Somali Masjid, what happens? It's like that, huh? But that's for them that's Israr. That's according to that definition. So the definition is hard. Like and everyone knows what the Israr and everyone knows what reading quietly is and everyone knows what reading loud is. Everyone knows. We don't have to define it. Some things become hard when you define it. What's love, for example? Try to define love. What is it? It becomes harder. So everyone knows what it is. What's anger? What's anger? Everyone knows what anger is. It's a feeling. That's it. Then he says, وَالْإِسْرَارُ فِي مَوْضِعِهِ To recite quietly and it's at its correct place. The next one is وَالْتَأْمِينُ To say Ameen. And that's because the Prophet ﷺ, he said, وَإِذَا قَالَ الْإِمَامُ وَلَدْضَالِينَ فَقُولُوا آمِينَ When the Imam says وَلَدْضَالِينَ Then everyone should say Ameen and you say it loudly. After the Imam says وَلَدْضَالِينَ And in the hadith of Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet ﷺ said, فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ وَافَقَ تَأْمِينُهُ تَأْمِينَ الْمَلَائِكَةِ غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهِ Anyone whose Ameen coincides with the Ameen of the angels, then all of your sins will be forgiven. يعني if you say Ameen at the same time as the angels, then your sins will be forgiven. Do you know if you're going to say at the same time as the angels? You don't know. لكن إن شاء الله all your sins will be forgiven if you coincide with the Imam. طيب, the next sunnah is وَسُورَةٌ وَقِرَاءَةُ سُورَةٍ بَعْدَ الْفَاتِحَةِ to recite a surah after surah al-Fatiha. To recite a surah after surah al-Fatiha. So when you start Fatiha, to recite another surah after it, then it is sunnah. When you do sujood al-shukr or sujood al-tilaw in the Quran, would you, when should you recite? What should you recite in the sujood? Naam. You should recite any, any the same thing that you recite in a normal sujood. And if you make another dua, then it's allowed. And should the sister wear hijab? Yes, they should have to wear hijab, according to the four imams. During the first tashahud, should it be recited only half recited? During the first tashahud, should it only should it be only recited or half recited, or fully recited or only only half? Naam, the tashahud, the whole tashahud should be recited, and no, without the salah on the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So you said you stop at. أَشْهَدُ وَلَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهُ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ رَسُولُهُ without going to اللَّهُمَّ صَلِّ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ how many نافلز if there is more than one number which is best to do how many are the نافلز or the نوافل if if there is more than one number which is best to do how many are the نوافل many there's many huh and if there's more than one then you do all of them or you do the the one that's best you have to know which one is best for example تحيات المسجد or the two ركعات before فجر you have to know which one is better can a child who hasn't started prayer but he lead the congregational prayer? Yes, if he's reached the age of tamiz, where he knows what's good and bad. He knows, he can tell the difference between things in his life. Okay? The, 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 the next one is, so reciting a surah after surah al-Fatiha. Now reciting a surah after surah al-Fatiha, the sunnah different, differs in, a different, in every difference, in different prayers. Uh, Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu, he wrote to Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, as narrated by Abdul Razak in the Musannaf. He wrote to him, whilst he was the Khalifa, he was the leader of the Muslims, what you should recite during the five daily prayers. So he said, in Salatul Fajr you recite the Tawal Al-Mufassal, the long suwar. And the Tawal Al-Mufassal are the suwar between Qaf and Amma Yatasa'alun. Between Qaf and Surat Al-Naba, Amma Yatasa'alun. These are Tawal Al-Mufassal which you should recite in Salatul Fajr, generally. So Salatul Fajr should be long. And Salatul Dhuhr, he said that you should recite the Tawal al-Mufassal or the Awsat al-Mufassal. So the long ones, so Qaf to Amma, or Amma to Wadduha. Yeah, I should be writing this down though, but 
Okay. Uh, the next one is Salat al-Asr. Salat al-Asr is you recite the Qisar al-Mufassal, the short Mufassal. The short ones are from Duha to Nas. Surah al-Duha to Surah al-Nas. Surah al-Duha up to Surah al-Nas. In Salat al-Maghrib, the same. Qisar al-Mufassal, the short Mufassal, which is from Surah al-Duha up to Surah al-Nas. So Maghrib is the same. And Salat al-Isha is the Awsat al-Mufassal, the middle ones, which is what? Someone there that wasn't writing. They weren't writing at the beginning. Who is it? What's the Awsat? The middle ones. Ammatu wal-Duha. The middle ones. So the long ones are Qaf to Amma. The middle ones are Ammatu wal-Duha. The short ones are wal-Duha to Al-Nas. This is general, the general way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. These are the suwar that the, the, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would generally read in his salah, reciting different suwar from different parts of the Quran all the time is not the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, as been as is common today. Every person who's leading the salah, what's he doing? He's reciting from Surah Al-Baqarah, reciting from Araf, reciting this. It's allowed. It's allowed, but it's not the Sunnah. The Sunnah is to stick like, stick to this. Why? Because these suwar are the ones that the Muslims they memorize. Most of us, if you haven't memorized the Quran, at least you memorized up to Al-Duha or up to Amma, right? You memorized up to the Surah, right? So that's why, and that's what the, the Muslims they should be reminded of these Surah which they've already memorized, and that's why it's Sunnah to teach the Muslims these Surah, the, the meanings of these Surahs. We should try. If a person's doing Tafsir, then it's good to do Tafsir of Juz Amma because that's what the majority of the Muslims they recite, and it's the majority of the people leading the Salah. What they should be leading the Salah. Is it allowed to recite other surah? Yes, the Prophet وسلم, sometimes he recited, once he recited Surah Al-A'raf in Maghrib, he recited Surah Al-Tur in Maghrib, he recited in Maghrib, Umar al-Khattab recited Surah Yusuf in Fajr, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq recited Surah Al-Baqarah in Fajr. So all of it's allowed, it's allowed. Like and this is the general guidance that should be stuck to some a lot of times, and if a person goes out of it, it's fine. Mm. Yeah. The whole surah. That's why it's sunnah to recite a whole surah even if it is shorter. Yeah, and what's better for a person to recite five pages of Surah Al-Baqarah or Qul Wallah Ahad. Qul Wallah Ahad is better. Finishing a surah, the whole surah is better than reciting part of a surah as a principle. And this is what Abu Bakr Al-Ahdal mentioned in his Ma'nduma Al-Fara'id Al-Bahiyya. That reciting less, from, he mentions the principle, the more act of worship that you do is better. And one of the exceptions of that is this. That you can do more Surah Al-Baqarah, five pages, but it's better to recite less, even if, as long as it completes the whole Surah. So completing the whole Surah is better. Sorry? Which ones? Fajr is the Tuwal, the long one. So Qaf to Amma. Qaf to Amma. Qaf to Naba. Al-Dhuhr, the Tuwal, or the Osat. So the long or the middle. All of them are okay. Dharman. No, no, the Hanafis don't say Allah. No, that's minor sins. Minor sins, not major sins. Habib. Sorry? How do you say Amin? Good question, Naam. Amin is by, you can stretch the Alif, uh, the Hamza, Amin. Oh, Amin. Oh, Amin. All of it's allowed. So you can stretch the 
the alif and you can the mad and you can stretch the yeah. But what you cannot stretch is the meme, the shadda on the meme. You can't say ameen. Because of that mean, what does that mean? In Surah Al Ma'idah, right? Allah says, meaning safety. That's what you mean. What does the word ameen mean? Ameen, when you say, ameen means, oh Allah, respond to this. We make dua. When someone making dua, you say, ameen, yani, yeah, Allah, respond to this dua. So if you say ameen, you change the meaning so you haven't done the sunnah. So you say ameen, if you, if, you if you do mad on the alif, fine. If you do the mad on the ya, it's fine. The only thing that's not allowed is ameen, the shadda on the meme. Yeah, if the Imam does the Rukur before you're able to finish Fatiha, then you recite Fatiha and then you go down. You don't, you don't follow him. No, you know you shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't move. No, 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 you shouldn't move. لا لا unless يعني if you're going to it's completely going to take you off completely then you leave the salah and you move somewhere else. That's the last question. طيب والتكبيرات عند الخفض والرفع the next sunnah is التكبيرات عند الخفض والرفع saying Allahu Akbar every time you move saying Allahu Akbar every time you move what are the equals to التكبيرات كل what did I mention in the beginning guys تكبيرات الانتقال movement and these are sunnah as opposed to تكبيرات تكبيرات Ihram, which is which is pillar, which is a pillar. So saying Allah Akbar every time is sunnah. If person misses out, it's fine. The Hanabila they say it's a wajib though. They bring it to that. To say Sami Allah liman hamida rabbana wa lakal hamd. When? When you get up from Rukur, right? Sunnah. And there's different ways you can say it. Number one, Sami Allah liman hamida rabbana lakal hamd. And also rabbana. وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ It's been narrated. وَأَصَوْ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ اللَّهُمَّ رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدِ It's also been narrated. All of this allowed. وَالتَّسْبِيحُ فِي الرُّكُوعِ وَالسُّجُودِ Saying سُبْحَانَ رَبِّ الْعَظِيمِ in ruku' and سُبْحَانَ رَبِّ الْأَعْلَى in sujood. There's a question from the sisters. Check it out. سُبْحَانَ رَبِّ الْأَعْلَى in sujood. The sunnah. Quran to the Shafi'iyya. To put your hands on your thighs while sitting. This is what we mentioned right, earlier, right? To put your hands on your thighs while sitting. How do you do it? To put your hands on your thighs, how do you do it? Your left hand is open. And your right hand, and you close, you clench your right hand. Except for the, the index finger. You, you keep it like this. You open it. And then when you say, you raise it up. نعم ويرفعها عند قوله إلا الله لأنه إشارة إلى التوحيد نعم نعم so you, you like that do you, do you move your fingers no it's weak the hadith is weak in that والله أعلم some of them authenticate them والافتراش في جميع الجلسات. The next sunnah is to sit in الافتراش in all sittings. What's افتراش? 
Imagine huh? You sit on your left foot and you have your right foot upright. That is called iftirash. That's how you're supposed to sit in throughout the whole salah. Whenever you sit down in salah, you sit like that. Between the two sujood and in the tashahud. You sit like that, iftirash. If you can't, what do you do? Sunnah, you don't have to. You can sit however you want. Hmm? You can sit however you want. طيب, the next one is وَالتَّوَرُّكُ فِي الْجَلْسَةِ الْأَخِيرَةِ To do a tawarruk in the last sitting. What's a tawarruk? A tawarruk is to sit on your, on your backside, on your, on your hip. With your left foot underneath your right foot, with your right foot upright. Hmm. The next sunnah is وَالتَّسْلِيمَةُ الثَّانِيَةِ The second tasleema. So, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi The first one is what? Pillar. Second one is? Sunnah according to the Shafi'iyah. Those are the Sunnah of the Salah. Let's see one these questions. Uh, is a woman required to cover during the Sajda to Tilawa outside of the Salah? And can she make Salah dur Sajda during menstruation? According to the majority of the scholars, yes. Because Sajda to Tilawa is part of Salah, is a Salah. So therefore you have to cover. And if you're doing it in menstruation, you shouldn't do it. Do you have to say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la during Sajda to Tilawa? Or do you only recite the Dua? You recite the Dua and you can say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. You can say both of them. Uh, do you read out loud the Sunnah prayers uh, referring to the Rawatib? No, it's better not to. And some of the, and you can if you want. Like Qiyamul Layl, you can. As for the Rawatib, no. Is anything legislated to recite during Sajda to Sahu? Do you say Allahu Akbar between two Sajda? Yes, you say Allahu Akbar. And in Sajda to Sahu, the only authentic thing that has been narrated is that you say Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la just like you do in every other sujood. When a sister has finished her menses before the Maghrib Adhan, should she bring back Dhuhr and Asr? Yes. And similarly, when finishing before Fajr, then she should bring Maghrib and Isha. Naam, if it's before the Fajr, then then if it's before Fajr, then yeah, according to the opinion that Isha is until Fajr, then yes, you do Maghrib and Fajr, Isha. Allahu Akbar. On the side. Mm. So it's an if someone does that, it's Allah's valid. Oh. Mm. Uh, you, you should put it up when you say I should say that 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 the difference is a very short one, one little few sentences. The, the difference between a man and a woman in the salah. The difference between a man and a woman in the salah. Four things a man is different to the woman in salah. Number one, The first difference is that a man he should open up his he should Make you should take your elbows away from your sides in rukur. Yeah, and a man shouldn't be like this in rukur, with your elbows tucked into your sides. A man shouldn't do that. A man should be his elbows should be outwards in rukur, like this. It should be outside. It shouldn't be tucked in. Okay. As for the woman, then she tucks it in. What? And the second thing is, and in sujood, a man he should be again his elbows out. Uh, uh, I shouldn't be on his sides. They should be out. That's a sunnah. And also his thighs. Should not touch his stomach. So he shouldn't be closed in like this. As for a woman, then she should be closed in. What's the evidence for this one? They say this is the gen general principle that a woman should be covered in, is covered generally. The woman should be covered generally. 
because she wears hijab, she should be covered even in, in, in janazah, she's covered more. So therefore, from this they say that the woman even in salah should be covered, she should be, she shouldn't open herself up. She shouldn't open herself up. That's the first difference. Number two is الجهر, The second difference is that the man, he recites out loud. As for the woman, then she doesn't recite out loud in front of non-mahram men. As for by herself, then she recites out loud. If she's in front of non-mahram men, then she does not recite out loud. As for the man, then he recites out loud. The third difference is When the Imam makes a mistake, the men, what do they do? They say SubhanAllah. The woman, they hit the back of their hands like this. And they don't clap like this. They do this. They hit the back of their hands. And if they say, if they clap like this, then the salah is invalid. Rather, they hit the back of their hands. Yeah, and they correct. They can correct. They can correct. Unless there's fitna. Also, as for the, the, the man, then his aura is between his navel and the knee. As for the woman, we took it last lesson, her whole body apart from her hands and her face. So these are the four ways that the Imam's salah is, the man's salah is different to the woman's salah. And the evidence for the, is, مَنْ نَابَهُ شَيْءٌ فِي صَلَاتِهِ فَلْيُسَبِّحْ فَإِذَا سَبَّحَ إِلْتَفَتَ إِلَيْهِ وَإِنَّمَا التَّصْفِيقُ لِلنِّسَاءِ When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was being dragged, and Abu Bakr was leading the salah, radiallahu anhu, and he was ill, the Prophet sallallahu was sick. And so when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi was being brought out of this house, the people, the sahaba, they started to clap. Or they hit the back of their hands, like a sahaba. And so the, Abu Bakr didn't know what was happening, so he looked back and he saw the Prophet وسلم, so he moved back. And the Prophet وسلم, told him, no, go back. And Abu Bakr refused, out of honor for the Prophet وسلم, that he's not going to lead. So he let the Prophet وسلم, come and lead. And then after the salah, the Prophet وسلم, said, Clapping is for the man. The woman, they should, the woman. As for the man, then they should say, Subhanallah. Wallahu alam, we'll take our next lesson Friday, inshaAllah ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum, wallahu alam, we'll take questions of sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een, walhamdulillah rabbil alameen.